What's good, folks? Hope you're having a great preseason wherever you may be. Welcome back for another season of the Mid-State 48, powered by a new sponsor this year, which we will get to in just a bit. But first, I'm going to bring on the guys who are going to be working through these previews with me, starting with Scott Burton. Scott. Four. Four. This is season four. They've let us stick around for four seasons. Chris. I don't know how they haven't kicked us off yet. I don't. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm still waiting. Uh, on it. Yeah, I'm still. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting for it. Yep. Back for another year with us, Tom Duggan. How are you, sir? I'm great, guys. I'm great. You know, Scott, they always say good shows peak in season four, so maybe that's a good sign that uh, things are going to be bigger, better than ever this year. I expect that. High school football, guys. Where summer going? I mean, summer itself is you know, hanging around and will be forever. But uh, uh, here we are ready for another football season, and I'm fired up. I know you guys are as well. I know June and July went very, very quickly, but then when the calendar hit August, it's just like everything has started to slow down. Yeah, guys, we were out uh, covering Innsworth the other night, and I swear the humidity was so bad I felt like Frosty after he lost his hat. And just <laughs> laying there in a big puddle of my own tears, you know. <laughs> And if you haven't noticed, we are a four-man crew this year, the fourth and our newest member, Cameron Reed. Good evening, sir. How are you guys doing? Uh, super excited to join 615 Preps this season. Uh, of course, having run-ins with uh, Chris with you last year a couple times, and the year before that. Uh, and then Scott actually uh, met me for the first time at my workplace, which we'll get into that in a little bit later. But uh when the opportunity presented itself, I jumped at, jumped at it because it's a great chance for me to broaden my horizons. Cam, if you would uh, tell us a little bit more about your background and how you came about uh, hopping on with us. I mean, you mentioned how we met, but I mean, hopping on with us and your experience first, if you would. Yeah, so 2013, graduated from Charles County High School, uh, eight years, color and stat uh, guy for Charles County High School. Uh, I know football. Um Love football, football junkie. My wife hates that, but, I mean, it, it is what it is uh, in our household. And uh, when the opportunity presented itself, uh, I want to coach one day, and I'm a sophomore at Ball State Community College right now. Uh, so this helps me open doors to the future, and uh, so I jumped at the opportunity. Guys, he, airs, he, he has an air of legitimacy. Is that allowed? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a perfectly good question, Scott. I don't know. I mean, I don't think we didn't have any rules on that last year. I mean, That's true. We haven't had rules. <laughs> rules, what are those? What rules? We play by our own rules here. But no, seriously, Cam, it's good to have you on and uh, hoping to have a great season with you on board. And uh, I know you'll be out at, at plenty of games this season and uh, able to lend your expertise to the show as well. Yeah, super excited. Uh, real familiar with my area, but like I said, I'm super excited to get to know the areas that I've not had a chance to go see. Yep, there's plenty of those, and we're going to start with this episode with Class 1A, 2A, and 3A, so really it's kind of in your wheelhouse for a bit, in 2A especially, but uh, also wanted to talk about some of the rule changes that are coming up for the 2022 season. Uh, there are several of those, including, first and foremost, the mercy rule is changing in Tennessee, and Biggest thing here is it was 35 points in the second half at any point, which you're running clock. This year, it goes down to 30. Guys, first thoughts on that on that change and, and how much do you think it will affect some games that get to that point? I'll start. Uh, I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference um, because the difference between 35 and 30 is only five points and not even a touchdown. Uh, so if a team gets up, you know, by 35 or even 31 – uh, that's the only way that the mercy rule will have any difference is if the team's by, up by 31 uh, because you either get field goals or touchdowns in football. and 35 or 31 is four points difference, and that's not going to make that big of a difference in a lot of games, especially if there's that big of a difference in the score. Chances are the game's not really competitive. Yeah, Cam, I got to agree with you there. And I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of games where you got that scenario – you, you may get to 35, and, and they may cut it back to 31, 32, but you hardly ever see it get any closer than, you know, 28 points, for example. So I think, for the most part, it's not going to change many outcomes. You know, the five-point differential, I, I don't think it's going to have that much effect. And uh, let's be honest, guys, if it's 35 nothing at the half, we're not going to expect any team to come back from that. So I don't think it's going to have a huge impact. I agree. I think as long as it, you know, as long as it starts after the, uh, after the half, 
you won't notice it, uh, really any difference at all. Uh, you know, I would worry about it if it was, uh, you know, when you get, you know, immediately when you got there. Uh, because, you know, there, we have seen some games where a team jumps out, you know, but by, by halftime, you should be, you should have put something on the board by then. I think the biggest difference, I'm going to play devil's advocate for just a tiny bit here, is going to be actually for us because I've seen way too many games where it's 34 nothing, and a team misses an extra point to go up by 35 in the second half, and, and they never get the running clock. Now, you don't have to worry about that extra point. It's going to happen at 30. So I think there may be there will be more running clock games and, and really not a big difference otherwise. But, uh, yeah, easier for us because we like a game to finish quickly and, and with a good finish. But um, no. I, I'm with y'all. I think it's not going to make a big difference to a lot of people. And I, and I think from a safety standpoint, it's, it's a really good idea. You know, it may not make that much of a difference. But if you're – you know, most of the time – you know, you run into these things when a team is outclassed or, or you know, they're they're playing above their, you know, uh, what they should be playing. So, you know, it, it's a safety issue. It gets them out of there quicker. True. And, but w- one other thing I wanted to throw in there, though, that I didn't think about before, but think about some of the younger players that do play later in the games. If it's one thing that will be affected, it's maybe some of your freshmen and sophomores that don't get a whole lot of time to play in a varsity game. Of course, there's JV games for most, you know, programs that have bigger rosters. But, you know, for, for some teams, some of the younger players may not get to play quite as much. That may be one impact that this will inevitably have on the game. That's That's a good point. Oakland's freshmen – they may not get in the game much. Now, granted, they're playing on they're playing earlier in the week anyway, so I'm not concerned about them. Then, but you're, you're, the schools we're going to be talking about in this episode, they may feel this more than anybody else when you talk about that mercy rule and the limited number of reps that they can get in game action. Certainly, Tom brings up a good point there. Yes, and you know, mentioning safety, mm-hmm. uh, I think that possibly TWSWA could go further down the line. Uh, in the next couple of years. And if a team is mercy ruling the same team consecutive years in a row, they should not be allowed to s- schedule in my opinion, because that's, that's a safety issue at that point. And that would take away a lot of the teams getting cupcake games uh, and have more competitive games in, in Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. I do kind of think though, that the scheduling is hard enough as it is a lot for some of the bigger teams. And that just may make it worse because now you have teams like, Oakland, Lipscomb Academy, who have had trouble getting a full schedule in the last two to three years. They've got a full schedule, but it took them to the to the wire to get it done this year. Something like that. While, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. It should happen. But there will be a, a negative effect in scheduling when we start talking about, you know, getting some of these teams off the schedule. I mean, the problem also, too, is some of these games are region games and they can't become off the schedule. Right. So, you know, what do you do there? That, that's another big question that you'd have to ask if if this was to be a thing to to come into effect. So, yeah. but yeah, the mercy rule, the numbers game really is going to be different this year. But no, I think we're all in agreement that it won't be from a, a competition standpoint not going to make much of a difference. Something that will though is intentional grounding. Now, this has been changed to mirror more of the college and the NFL rule. And when a quarterback gets outside of the pocket, they can throw it away and no penalty as long as it gets to the line of scrimmage. Before before this year, you couldn't do that. So that, that's kind of a big deal. Helps protect the passers as well. Um, guys, it really helps the teams uh, that suffer from offensive line uh, insufficiency mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, the quarterback's able to take off scrambling and he can throw the ball away instead of taking that sack or, you know, getting the intentional grounding penalty. All on the same. Speaking of those offensive lines, chop blocks, you know, that, that's one thing that they're going to look at this year. Anything that's above and below the waist is going to be an illegal, illegal block. It just used to be half, used to be below the knee. But now those combo blocks are in play too. So it's something that they're going to look a little bit closer about. Uh, that's going to be an interest, interesting to see how that gets enforced. Um uh, uh, you know, as a former offensive lineman, um, it just, it, it's, it's difficult, uh, to, you know, sometimes manage your, or maintain your block if you, you know, in the trenches. Uh, so, you know, 
taking it to below the waist appears to me to be difficult, making life a little bit more difficult on offensive linemen. Also, uh, running backs coming out of the backfield. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I think we'll see a lot more penalties uh, thrown on that. You know, yeah. Scott, you mentioned right. You bring up a really good point. Um, you know, as linemen, you're taught low man wins, uh, and if, if the low man wins, what what is an offensive lineman supposed to do? Uh, especially if they're in a combo block and they're going up against a 350 pound nose guard that they have to move out of the a gap, and it takes two of them to move him, and you've got to hit him at the hip. Is that going to be a flag this year? That's a huge game changer if they actually call it the way that it's supposed to be. Yep. Especially if you're a, a smaller offensive lineman going up against, you know, you know, one of these, you know, smaller school offensive linemen going up against, uh, you know, a John Henderson type <laughs> defensive tackle. <laughs> yeah, and I would expect there to be an adjustment period at least these first this first month of the season where coaches are going to have to coach that out of some players. <laughs> if they haven't already done it because mm-hmm. you could expect more flags early on if they have not adjusted to this rule. So that's something to look out for in the first two to three weeks of the year. Another new change this year, more of a, a aesthetical change, I guess new numbers. Players can wear number zero on, and on their jerseys this year, they can't wear double zero. They can't wear zero one or whatever, but number zero is allowed this year. And this goes along with the college rule that was in place a couple of years ago as well. So, just something to look at when you see a roster and a player wearing number zero. No, it's not a typo. They can do it now. So. No decimals or fractions yet, though, guys. We'll uh, we'll have to see if it has to get to that point. But at least we got number zero now, <laughs> and uh, we saw that. Uh, really been seeing that more and more in college football. I say I say we'll probably see that pop up, uh, especially some of your bigger high school programs, pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kind of reminds me though. This isn't football related. Remember um, Eddie Gaydell? The old Cleveland, I guess, Cleveland Indians ball player Bill Beck, I think, had him out there. He was maybe four feet five or something like that, really short. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, wearing number wearing number three eighths, wearing a fraction in the back. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if we'll ever see that. Um, go look him up if you haven't. But I mean, he, he drew a walk on four straight pitches. Bill Beck got the fine crap, got crapped out of him on the fine and everything. So. Yeah, he didn't do that again, but it was a, it was a stunt for a couple of things, and it worked. But don't know if we'll see that in football anytime soon. But number zero is allowed this year, and those are really the changes of rules that we're going to see in 2022, guys. Um, why don't we go ahead and introduce ourselves a sponsor? And we're we're happy to have some great folks on board from Miracle Auto Group. If you haven't been up to Gallatin, Tennessee, go see the Galvins at Miracle Ford, Miracle Chrysler, Dodge Jeep, and Ram. Ram. Can't forget Ram. Yeah, they the pickup truck's got its own name now. It's a it's a Ram. It's not a Dodge anymore. Yep. Yeah. Can't remember when they split. <laughs> but you know what? Let's hear from the Galvins. Hi everyone, Jim Galvin, Miracle Ford, your Ford dealer in Gallatin, Tennessee since 1980. Great news, beginning now. When you need service, we can come to you. Our mobile service van comes to you wherever you are, whether you need oil changes, lube, routine maintenance, warranty, filters, wiper blades, batteries, bulbs, recalls, and more. Visit our website or call us now. Are you ready for the miracle? I did not know that. Scott, you mobile need that. service. That I, is, need that. Yeah, I need that. Yeah. <laughs> I need, I I need like that. I need that mobile no, service. That is so great. just released this week, uh, we will start taking appointments. Uh, I believe next week, uh, the num- direct line number uh, is actually going to be 615-675-5092 uh, to call in and get your appointment to have our guys, Adam and Colin, come out and service you. Uh, with an oil change or tire rotation or whatever you need. Fantastic. Doesn't hurt that you have somebody from Miracle Auto Group on the show. It does not hurt. <laughs> and it doesn't hurt that you have half the the team here, both buys and services their vehicles from Miracle Ford. So Ford right. Ford, there is some there is some connection to Miracle Ford and Miracle <laughs> Auto Group, but uh wanted to throw that out there just to be fair. Be fair. 
I bought <laughs> I bought my car first before I got to meet the Galvins. <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> that yeah, it is fair. Well, guys, let's dive into class one A and and start talking about some of these teams. Now looking at the region region four A to start with from last season, you know, Gordonsville won that region with an eleven and two mark as I'm getting ready to share my screen with you guys. That's still a 14 region for this year. All four will make the playoffs. However, Gordonsville was a class of that region, 11 and 2 mark, won all three region games, reached the 1A quarterfinals before losing to South Pittsburgh. Now, they did make a change at head coach this year. Steven Jackson comes over from Oakland to head the Tiger program. He is not going to be the defensive coordinator, however, he's going to have the offensive coordinator duties with the Tigers. Mac Petty's going to have the defensive calls for Gordonsville this year. So a little bit interesting when you start looking at uh, how they've gotten that lined up. But Gordonsville's bringing back quite a bit and looks to be in a good position to have a pretty solid year in 2022 as well. Guys, uh, you know, Gordonsville's a 1A school, and you don't see many 1A schools with two defensive ends that are 6'3", 230, uh, and both of them can run. Uh, I don't believe Coach Jackson taking over the offensive duties is going to have that big of an effect on Gordonsville. You've seen the same thing with uh, Coach Kevin Creasy when he went to uh, Trousdale County the first time to be a head coach. He was a defense coordinator the whole time, comes to Trousdale County, um, becomes the head coach, and he starts calling plays on offense. And as you see what, what he's done uh, at Trousdale and at Oakland, um, it's not going to be that big of a transition because when you're that good a defense coordinator, you know how to beat good defenses. Uh, because you called plays and designed good defenses. So you know where the weaknesses are. I don't believe that's going to hurt them at all. Uh, I believe the big kicker in this region is going to be who's going to finish second. I believe Clay County had a really good year last year. Uh, I do look for them possibly to drop back uh, with Joe Burns having the Lucas uh, brothers. I believe Joe Burns could take over that two spot in this region. I'm not going to jump off of Clay County just yet. As far as number two, they did. Have, they had a coaching change as well. And, guys, that's kind of strange when you got a region like this where your top two teams win double-digit games and they both have brand-new head coaches this year. But uh, Bruce Lamb will be stepping in at Clay County. Bruce was at Livingston Academy for a long time. He sat out last year, did not coach at all. But uh, he's back. He's got Mike Dickerson as his defensive coordinator there. Coach D is great on the defensive side of the ball. Cam, I agree with you on Gordonsville with the Coach Jackson taking over the offense there. First of all, you got a great defensive coach there and Mac Petty already anyway. I don't think that there's going to be anything to worry about on the defensive side of the ball. Let's be real. Steven Jackson's a good football coach. It's not going to matter if he's calling offense or defense. I, I look for this Gordonsville team to be exciting this year. I know with a new head coach comes some changes as far as, you know, style. There's going to be some changes maybe we see on both sides of the ball. But the talent is there. Don't sleep on Matthew Albright and being maybe a dark horse Mr. Football type candidate. The quarterback who's been actually starting since late in his eighth grade year. I think it's Gordonsville. I do think Joe Burns will take a step up this year. Tom Atkins squad, they've had a few down years here, but uh, they've built up some talent. I think they're going to be better this year. And, of course, Red Boiling, it's always tough for them just due to the number situation there. Oh, I agree, and, I, and I'll, I'll uh, agree with you on Matthew Albert. And I think it's uh, there's something to be said for continuity at the quarterback position. Uh, but uh, he's got a good wide receiver in Will Dudney, who's also a uh, good uh, – at the uh, at the linebacker spot, um, Joe Burns. They've got a new quarterback coming this year. Uh, their quarterback, he's well, I say new. He's actually coming back to football after uh, two years in, in baseball, and that's Taylor Head. Uh, and he's going to. Uh, so he's a very talented kid. I do see them taking a step up. It's going to be interesting to see what happens between Clay County and Joe Burns. Um, Red Bull and Springs. Uh, you know, you look at their numbers. Uh, you know. It's just going to be really tough for them. But they do have a good quarterback in Aubrey Link. Uh, he can sling the ball. Uh, they could jump up and surprise somebody. Um, but, I, you know, as of right now, I agree with you. I think that uh, it's, uh, it's Gordonsville and then uh, the other two. And I'll play a little spoiler. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I feel so good about this Gordonsville team. Uh, I think it's going to be between them and South Pitt and the quarters on who represents the East in 1A this year. I agree with you, Cam. I believe that's going to be the case as well. 
Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm going to second that motion as well. I'm, I'm really excited about this Gordonsville team just because of what they've got coming back. Now, they do have to replace a couple of wide receivers, but they haven't really had a problem doing that the last couple of years, and Auburn will have a pretty good year throwing the ball just as long as he stays upright, and, and they should be able to do that. Their schedule is, is good enough for them to, to not take a ton of blows, but uh, if they do get another shot at South Pitt, we'll see what happens. I am looking to see what Joe Burns can kind of do in this region. If they can get a little bit closer to Clay County and maybe challenge that number two spot, that's going to be an interesting game when those two teams play a little bit later in the season. Some of these games in Region 4A, you look at Red Bull and Springs and Joe Burns. Can Red Bull get some sort of competitiveness in this region? And they'll find out on September 2nd when they go to Joe Burns. Joe Burns at Clay County September 15th. That kind of solidifying the number two seed. And Clay County Gordons will close the year on October 28th in week 11, and that'll be that could very well be for the region championship in region four of class 1A. It has been the uh, region championship game the last two years. Um, and you know, that middle game there, Joe Burns and Clay County, uh, that's the game that's going to really determine this region's standings and who plays who, who hosts a playoff game, who has to go on the road in the playoffs. Um, I do look for this region possibly to get three teams into the second round uh, just because region three is not uh, as strong other than South Pitt, of course. Uh, but that middle game, instead of having a 10 and two to five and six gap, like you had last year with Clay County at 10 and two, Joe Burns five and six, I believe that's a whole lot closer this year with both teams, maybe like in the seven and five range. Something else to note though, is in region four, the way the brackets are drawn up in the playoffs, if you win this region, you have home field advantage through the semifinals in 2022. Mm-hmm. Even numbered year, even numbered region. Which South means Florida. South Pitt would come to the jungle. Yes. And they've yep. been to the jungle and they've won there. But I tell you, I think they're closer match this year, guys. And that's why I think it's going to be a big deal that that uh, uh, it will be class or region four that will be hosting this year. I, th- I think that home field could be a significant advantage because I think the talent level is more equal this year. I believe the gap in the line between Gordonsville and South Pitt is closed tremendously with South Pitt graduating uh, two Division One players off that defensive line last year. Yep. Changing gears, we're going to go into Region 5-1A briefly. We have one local team there as far as Eagleville is concerned. Here's how they shaked out in 2021. Fayetteville won that region 11-2 in perfect region record. Made it to the quarterfinals in 1A. Cornersville was a second-round team in 1A after the 9-3 after and three mark. Eagleville finished third, but got knocked out in the first round, as, as to did Moore County, who finished fourth. Um, guys, Eagleville is kind of in that situation where they're not necessarily right there with Cornersville and Fayetteville. They have some work to do to get a little bit closer to them, don't they? They yeah. do. Um, you know, Fayetteville, two years ago, state champs. Uh, last year got put out, I believe, in the, the semis, I believe, by McKenzie maybe. Um, but that it, – it's – Eagles battling uphill battle. Um, whenever you get put in a region with two teams that are as good as Fayetteville and Cornersville, uh, both teams having state championship game appearances in the last uh, three, four, five years, um, it, it's an uphill battle for Eagleville, and they have to uh, try to find a way to close the gap. Uh, they they do have uh, a good quarterback coming back, uh, Jesse Brown. He took over uh, when Marcus Collins was injured last year, uh, so he at least has some experience back there. You know, can he fill Marcus Collins' shoes? That's a tall order. Uh, Marcus Collins was just uh, so good back there, but they have experience at the uh, skill positions and uh, Caden Snitzer at wide receiver and Brody McLemore at uh, running back. So, um, you know. I can see them, you know, kind of following the same pattern as they did last year, again, behind Cornsville, again, behind Fayetteville, but, uh, you know, maybe improving just a little bit. The one thing there, you get Brown that did at least have some snaps last year. You're right, it's a tall order replacing Collins at quarterback, but at least he got some snaps under his belt. That's going to help him this year, uh, just the, the time he did get to play. And i tell you what, guys, I like the way Eagle was coached. I, I've seen this team uh, a few times over the years. I think Coach Walker does a good job there. He's, he's always got a good staff, and they seem to just do a good job coaching the team. 
depth will be a concern. So they've got some things that are working against them that makes it hard for them. But I think they're going to be prepared every Friday night to play anyway. And uh, from that point of view, you know, teams can't overlook Eagle because they're always going to be ready to play. Yeah, let's look at some of those key games in Region 5. Uh, we talk about Eagle. At Moore County, the region opener really is going to tell kind of what this team can do this year. That's a game that they need to win to at least stay on par with what they did last year. Uh, and they'll close the season, or they'll close September at Wayne County, or at home against Wayne County, excuse me. And really it's those two games that they're going to need to win to ensure a playoff spot because before you can even try to go against Cornerville and Fayetteville, you better be able to, to beat Moore County and Wayne County. I mean, it's those two teams that, that you're going to have to dodge as far as getting in the playoffs. And then then anything after that, you're, you're basically getting a bonus there. Moving on to Class 2A. And we're going to start in Region 4, Cam, your old stomping grounds with the Yellow Jackets of Trousdale County, who reached the 2A semifinals again last season. Bit of a heartbreak, though, in that semifinal loss. and. Now some questions. This region has questions all over this year. So, guys, I want to just go ahead and, and throw it to you. Um, is this thing as wide open as some people may make it out to be? No. <laughs> all right, Gareth. You, you, you all right. It. No. <laughs> uh, this, this, this region will be determined by the September 1st game between Watertown and Westmoreland last year. Watertown wins six nothing at Watertown uh, in the regular season. Uh, and Watertown won the region championship last year. They lose their four year starter in Braden Cousineau. Uh, Westmoreland is good. Like people overlook Westmoreland's defense. Westmoreland's defense is really, really, really stout. They have to find points. Now, it's better said than done, especially against the Josh Hackett defense. Uh, probably leaning Watertown in that game, but that is for the region championship. Uh, Trousdale uh, just lost too much last year, and what little bit they had coming back. Uh, we had, uh, had a kid that played center for them last year in nose guard, uh, won a state championship wrestling last year as a sophomore, has decided not to play football this season. Uh, so that hurts tremendously. So instead of returning two guys on the offense line, you return one. Uh, so that hurts Trousdale. Uh, really excited about East Robertson. Um, new coach over there um, coming from Beach. And really excited to see they got all the Graves kids that played on the basketball team out. Now they do have to replace Taylor Gross. Uh, but Isaiah and um, the other brother, I can't recall Elijah. his name right now. At the moment. Yeah. Elijah. Elijah. They are athletes. If you watched them last year win the state championship in basketball, um, their biggest problem the last couple of years is getting those guys to football in space. If they can get them to football in space, I look for East Robertson possibly to, to challenge Trousdale for that third spot. You talked about Westmoreland. Guys, this was a Westmoreland team. If they could have scored a couple of touchdowns a game more than they did last year, uh, they would have gone deep in the playoffs. You're right, Cam. That defense is loaded. It's talented. Uh, you know, it's surprising when to hear Trousdale County – Numbers are down somewhat this year. They did lose a lot. I always hate sleeping on Trousdale County because it always seems like they, they get it done some way, somehow. Watertown, I've not heard as much this year about Watertown, but I know this. Josh Hackett, as you mentioned, he's always going to have a good defense ready. That He just does a great job preparing and training up new players. And then Gavin Webster on the offensive side of the ball, he's like I call him a mad scientist because he's always got players uh, coming from somewhere and that offense is just always tough to beat. So, uh, again, Westmoreland, I can't wait to see how that defense does. I, I kind of favor them a little bit in this region just because of how good that defense played last year. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you, Tom. I, I actually am a believer in Westmoreland, too. But I am going to uh, – my my uh, sleeping dog my, – my favorite in this region is actually East Robertson. I like the talent that they have there. No, uh, they're not going to be – nobody's going to be able to throw on them. If they can stop the run, they're going to be able to do you know make some noise. They've got a lot of talent. I don't expect them to return many uh, kicks because I don't expect teams to kick to them more than once a game. Um, uh, you look back there at that backfield, you know, 
the Groves uh, the Groves boys are good, but there's another one back there, Zach Prince, that is absolutely huge and he can fly. And I think that they're going to do a really, really good job of putting points on board and challenging the Watertown defenses and the Westmoreland defenses out there. Uh, if they can get out ahead of uh, Westmoreland and Westmoreland can't find points, uh, you know, if Watertown has trouble scoring, if they don't solve their quarterback issues, then East Robertson could be a dark horse to win this region. Um, could be, if, if not this year. Potentially next year, I believe uh, at least one of those gross kids is a junior, mm-hmm. uh, and they return. The big thing for them being a sleeper this year, Scott, is they return their whole offensive line. I believe, yep. and that is a huge factor for them. Last year, that's pretty much was their weakness. Last year, uh, they had Taylor Groves out at wide receiver, but they couldn't get him the ball because they couldn't stay give the quarterback enough time uh, to get the ball to him. Uh, when looking at these key games, I mean. They're pretty much the usual suspects every year in this region. Um, the only difference is, I believe, you know, Watertown having Adam Cooper at running back, returning most of their offensive line, uh, having the best defense coordinator in the region, maybe the state and at the 2A level. That might be exaggerating a little bit, but uh, Josh Hackett gets it done year in and year out at uh, Watertown, and Westmoreland's magic number is 21. They score 21 points a game. They will win this region. Uh, I won't argue with you there. I think that that is a, that is the big question with West Warren. Um, but I agree with what you said. Uh, four out of five offensive linemen return for, for East Robertson. So uh, they may get some time to get those guys open in space, as you were talking about earlier. Uh, the, the interesting I was out the other night, and, of course, this is a scrimmage. So, you know, you take what you see in scrimmages. Trousdale County did not look great on defense. Now, I don't know if they were missing some people that night or whether they were trying some new schemes, but defensively, uh, and they were going against Portland, uh, but defensively, uh, you know, Portland was able to run the ball on them with some success. So that vaunted uh, Yellow Jacket defense may have some difficulty this year. Uh, you're right, Scott. I mean, they they return uh, Gregory at linebacker. Uh, started since he was a freshman. He's a really good ball player. Uh, they returned Gunner, which was the offensive lineman of the year last year as a tight end. Uh, he also plays defensive end, outside linebacker, kind of flex position on defense for him. Uh, both of those are really good players on the defense and offensive side of the balls. But they lost the entire offensive and defensive line. Uh, they do have a little bit of size, uh, but it's inexperienced size. You know, Trousdale County is going to be better at the end of the year than they are at the start of the year, um, as you want to be. I just think the gap this year is too big for them to overcome and finish in the top two and get a home playoff game this year. Yeah, that top four race is going to be fascinating to watch this year just because of those four teams basically playing around Robin for all the playoff spots. Unless one of Harpeth or White's Creek makes one massive jump to surprise some people, we're looking at the four playoff teams we've talked about here repeating in 2022 and possibly making it a wild race in two A. Let's take a quick break and hear from our other sponsor for the Midstate 48, Innovate Medical. Happy to have Innovate Medical back on the Mid-State 48 as a sponsor this year. Got a good group of sponsors this year. It, uh, it's going to be a fun year for a lot of us. Now we got to get into 3A. And looking at 3A from Region 4 standpoint, Cannon County surprised a lot of people last year, going 7-5 and five for their first successful season in quite some time, going to the second round of the playoffs. Now, they had a shot at winning that region in Week 11, but Giles County proved to be too strong. and. Cannon County looks like they may have a, another shot to to do some more damage this year. Um, guys, what do you think? Yeah, I'll tell you what, Cannon, Cannon County's got quite a bit back from last year. And the one thing that Cannon County gained, as much as anything, experience for one. But, guys, this team was confident last year. you got to remember, they've been playing in a region for years 
that had Upperman in it. You know, DeKalb County in it, a perennial playoff team. Smith County in it. They got into a region last year that was very competitive for them. And, you know, they really made some noise. They've got some all-region kids coming back. They've got the kicker of the year coming back. They've got a sophomore quarterback they're very excited about. And let me tell you, Matt Daniel and his staff there, they've got these kids to buy in. And, and I don't know that I've seen a coach at Cannon County gets, get a team to buy in like Coach Daniel has here in recent years. The tough thing is Giles County sits on top of this region, and we know how good Giles County is. But I'm going to tell you, Cannon County is going to go into this year feeling like they got a chance to upset this uh, Giles County team. How much will Sequatchie still be down? Traditionally, they're a pretty good program. They had kind of a rough year last year. Grundy's been down for a while, community as well. But I tell you, I, Cannon County, I, I look for them to play with a lot of confidence. They've got some talent back. You just don't sleep on the Lions this year. I, I agree. I, I think that, uh, you know, for all the years that they've had some some struggles, uh, it's really starting to pay off for uh, Coach Daniel uh, out there. And as you said, Tom, I think they have strength in key positions. They got the the two uh, all-region kids, uh, three all-region kids. Well, Tucker Kine was a second-team all-region, right? Yes. Um, so, you know, they're, they're physical. You know, they got to the second round of the playoffs last year. Um, it's still going to be a tall mountain to climb to beat Giles County. But can they repeat uh, with a home a home uh, playoff game this year? Absolutely. And I tell you, they they played Loudon pretty tough in that matchup in the second round. It's not like that they just went up against Loudon and got mowed down. They really played tough. The, another thing that's always been kind of a bump in the road for Cannon County has been depth. Now, they've added more players in the years since Coach Daniel's been there. That's less of a problem, but still I know that's a concern for them. They can't afford a lot of injuries, guys. That's one thing that would certainly put a big hurt on that team. You know, Coach Daniel's done a really, really good job this uh, last year. Uh, Cannon suffers from the same thing that some other schools have suffered at before. Uh, Cannon has always been traditionally good at basketball, had a few good baseball teams in the past. They've always struggled in football, and you mentioned uh, the regions that they were put in. That is a huge factor in them struggling. Kids don't want to lose, and Coach Daniels getting the program turned around and rebuilding the program up. Uh, Seven-win year last year is a great season, uh, especially if, if you're counting as a building block to what they ultimately want. Uh, and I bet you money that more kids at County County High School want to play football now than they did two or three years ago. And that's a testament to Coach Daniels and the, the job that he's done. Excellent point. Look at some of these games in Region 4-3A just real quick. Um, you mentioned the Cannon County-Giles County game October 28th and Week 11. Uh, community Grundy County the night before, that Thursday night. Uh, and then Grundy at Sequatchie. Grundy at Cannon County in September. Those those games are going to shape this region up to see how they shake out and, and how that top four may finish. Uh, obviously, community the one that's going to have to try to jump back into the top four, but uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Moving on to Region Five in Class Three A, it presented East Nashville with an opportunity to run to Chattanooga to play in the Blue Cross Bowl. They didn't win that game. Alcoa got a hold of them in the championship game, but East Nashville showed a lot of people something last year. And they have an opportunity to perhaps do it again with a lot of key players coming back. The Eagles and Jamal Stewart, your head coach, you know, they, they ran roughshod through a lot of teams. They had some closer games in the playoffs, but they proved that they were not going to back down from anybody. You know, Frank Gordon, uh, wide receiver for East Nashville, is a stud. I've been watching his highlights this week. Uh, I look for them to get him the ball in space. Uh, you know, I believe they replaced uh, the running back last year. Um, it's going to be a tough feat for them, but they have the receivers and other athletes around. I believe they also have a JP2 transfer uh, that came in. Uh, look for East Nashville to be right there in condition to re return to uh, uh, Chattanooga and contend for a state championship. Uh, but um, I say that. Smith County is going to be really improved. Uh, really like what Coach Dyer is doing over there. Really liked what Coach Dyer did at Trousdale County when he was there. Um, he comes from winning programs, both at Macon when Macon, uh, back in Macon's heyday, so to speak, when they were uh, 
competing in semifinals and whatnot. He was around at that time with his dad being a coach up there. Uh, he's alma mater, Smith County High School. Uh, Smith County has probably maybe the biggest offensive line in the state, regardless of classification, uh, led by Dane Woodard, uh, about 6'9", 350, just a monster human being. I believe he just committed to Austin Peay State University. Uh, then they have Bryce Curry. It's kind of odd. You have a huge offensive line uh, that averaged over 300 pounds across, across the line. And then you have a running back that is like 5'8", 5'9", 220, and he's just like a little bowling ball. They are a physical football team. Um, the big question for them, who's going to start at quarterback? Is it going to be the Hicks kid or is it going to be the, the freshman pal? Uh, we saw both at 7-on-7 seven seven, uh, during the summer. Uh, the pal kid can absolutely sling it. Uh, but – He's a freshman. He's going to make freshman mistakes. How much can Smith County close that gap? That's what I'm excited about in this region this year. East Nashville is still going to be really good, but is Smith County able to close that gap a little bit? I believe they last year they lost, I believe, 33-7 to seven or 33 to nothing in that game at the end of the year. Uh, I look for Smith County to keep it closer this year. Yeah, Smith County really turned a corner. It seemed like to me they struggled early in the season. And, and I think they were going to acclimate to what Coach Dyer wanted to do. We all had a high level of confidence that Coach Dyer was going to do a good job at Smith County. I think it might have started sooner than we thought, guys, just because, you know, that they struggled so much right out of the gate. Now, that East Nashville game, certainly at the end of the regular season, that was tough on Smith County. What I like, Cam, I kind of agree with you here. They're big for sure. But they got experience, guys. you got seven starters on each side of the ball for East Nashville that have to be replaced. They've got great athletes there. they got the, the kid you mentioned at wide receiver. Zach Beard, their quarterback, they've got talent. Don't get me wrong, but uh, Smith County's got an experience edge that I think is going to benefit them. I think it's going to be fun to watch those two teams compete this year. I I, I think that this is Smith County's region um, right now. Just uh, I, I think that and now East Nashville does have a replacement for a Marion Ford in uh, Zion Robinson coming from over from JP2. Uh, they also have Traquan Waters also at the running back position. So it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be easy. I think that, you know, Zach Beard is still, you know, one of the best quarterbacks uh, in this region. Uh, Frank Gordon is uh, I'll agree with you. He's an absolute stud, but I really like what Coach Dyer has done over at Smith County. Uh, those kids are big. Yes, they are physical, but they are also experienced. They're also seniors and juniors uh, on that team. And I think that, you know, going into this year, they are going to run the ball. That is what they're going to do. They are going to get physical, and they are going to grind you. And I think that that's going to give them uh, – you know, that's going to give them the, the power to really uh, to, to push back, uh, push on to that next level. Um, but I do want to talk about another team in this region that I think is is uh, if they're not ready to make a move, they're they're going to be, I think, uh, sooner than later. And that's the Maplewood Tigers. Uh, you know, I, Coach Eric Davis over there, uh, he's got uh, he's got uh, some getting numbers back together over there. I think uh, with the changes over at Stratford, and I'm not really sure where Jackson County, I know Jackson County finished third in that region last year. Um, I think Maplewood uh, with uh, Reggie Rogers at the running back, uh, they could make a, they could make a move this year. Yeah. That Maplewood Stratford game is going to be important for, that number four seed, if nothing else, uh, the Panthers trying to get back to the playoffs for the first time in a couple of years. Um, Eric Davis, he's got that program moving in the right direction. Uh, but still this region, I think belongs to East Nashville. A lot of what they did in the postseason transfers over to this year. And the quarterback play is, is the biggest thing for me. Zach Beard is a very good quarterback and mm. a very experienced quarterback and probably has enough to make a difference for East Nashville to win this region again, and hopefully make a deep run for the Eagles to Chattanooga. Move on to Region 6 and how these guys matched up last year. Now, well, before we do, let's look at these key games for Region 5 for just a moment. Maplewood at Stratford, September 16th. Jackson County at Maplewood, September 30th. Jackson County at Stratford, October 28th. 
And then we talked about that East Nashville Smith County game. It'll be in Carthage this year on October 28th to cap the regular season at the end of the year. Now we move on to Region 6, where White House is the returning champion after an 11 and 2 finish last year. But Blue Devils lost quite a bit, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Waverly was second, Fairview third, White House Heritage fourth to make up those playoff teams. And White House got to the quarterfinals and played East Nashville relatively close, but that was as far as any of these teams got in the postseason. Um, Stewart County, Cheatham County, Sycamore, all outside looking in last year. So, guys, we talked in depth about some of these teams like White House and Fairview and, and Heritage, but is there any one team that really stands out in this region to you? Not that they stand out, but I'm kind of excited to see what the White House Heritage does with new coach Chad Broderick uh, coming over from Gallatin High School. Uh, coach Broderick had an opportunity to coach at East Robertson for a couple years, get his feet wet. Uh, didn't find much success there, made a couple of playoff appearances, uh, went to Gallatin, really got his name built back up, gets another shot at it, I uh, believe at his alma mater at White House Heritage. Uh, really super excited to see what Coach, Bro- Coach Broderick can do uh, with the Patriots football program. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how much White House suffers from what they lost last year. Uh, I believe they lost uh, Blackburn from last year. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, we played – Trousdale played them uh, a couple years ago, uh, and he ran all over us. Uh, we won the game, but he had over 200 yards rushing. I believe the game last year – uh, that they did at uh, Nissan Stadium against Waverly. Uh, he had a big ball game uh, in that game as well. Uh, how are they going to replace him? That's going to determine if White House can repeat as region champs. Yeah, White House lost a lot, uh, you know, uh, last year. But you look at their team, and they are senior-laden. Senior their offensive line is almost all seniors. Um, you know, they've got uh, several – uh, good players returning. Um, so I really think that th- they've got uh, a really good chance of, of win- uh, repeating there. Um, but the, the team that jumps out to me about the questions is Fairview. I don't think that they're ready this year, but I think that they, uh, they may, I don't think they're ready to challenge this year, uh, but I think that they'll, they, they are going to make some, uh, some moves this year. They are a very, very young team. And we talked to Coach Hughes at Media Day, and uh, his roster is loaded with freshmen and sophomores uh, where th- there have just been a number of kids move into that program. So, you know, if he can get them up to speed, he's got, he's got the framework of some uh, players with experience. If any of those freshmen and sophomores can can do well, get into the system and play, Fairview has a good shot of getting back into the playoffs. Guys, when you look at Winehouse, to me the big question is, Scott, you pointed this out, they've got a lot of seniors, uh, a lot of upperclassmen back. Three of their five starting offensive linemen from last year are back. Are we going to see Winehouse return to prominence by that when Jeff Porter was the head coach there? We, we watched those teams back particularly in the 90s, early 2000s, it just seemed like they reloaded. They didn't rebuild. Are they back to that point yet? Numbers look good at White House. I think this is a pivotal year for them because I, I know they've got some upperclassmen, but they are rather inexperienced. Can they get them back up to speed and make this team competitive again? Keep an eye on Sycamore. This is a team I'm kind of curious to see how they do this year simply because they've been really, really young the last couple of years, and they, they've taken some beatings, but uh, that youth – has a lot of game experience. Will that help them maybe take another step up? I'll be curious to see how Sycamore plays this year. And we can't forget about Waverly in this region either. I mean, remember what happened last year with the floods knocking out their their football field, and they had to play every game on the road. Of course, that's why they played at Nissan Stadium last year. Waverly is going to be in the mix as well this year. That could be a team that could challenge for this region as well. Uh, I think they should be back at their stadium this year. I I, I agree with you, Chris. I think that. Uh, you're absolutely right. Waverly may be the team, uh, you know, if if all things come together, they may be the team that takes this region. Well, let's look at some of these key games in Region 5 this year before we close things out. Uh, White House at Fairview in September 30th, and a lot of these games in October are really going to decide how this region shakes out playoff-wise. Uh, Cheatham County at Sycamore, one of those two teams, if they want to make a jump, that's a game they got to win. Stewart County at White House, 
you, you have to wonder about Stewart County. They, they've been down. They've been up the last few years. They've been kind of a roller coaster team. So if this is an up year for them, that's a game that could be a surprise. October 21st, they go to White House Heritage. So they're basically going to Sumner Robertson County in consecutive <laughs> weeks. Long road trips for those guys. Fairview at Waverly and White House at White House Heritage in week 11 on October 28th. We'll close the season out and kind of decide how the playoff teams shake out in Region 5 and Class 3A. And that It's one of those regions that's going to be really fun to watch because you could call your four playoff teams and they probably don't finish in that order. Honestly, the, the October 28th games right there, uh, I believe it was Fairview and Waverly playing each other in White House and White House Heritage. I believe that's the four. Uh, but that that day, that Friday uh, of games can determine who's one, who's two, who's three, who's four. Uh, and I believe that they could pro- possibly win and lose back and forth to where you may have you may have the old fashioned uh, tiebreaker. <laughs> I just want to know if. Uh, can we get another game at Nissan Stadium? <laughs> it's been talked about. I mean, hopefully, you know, that they start doing that a little bit more this year. It was a good, it was a good experience last year. You know. Or when they get the uh, turf stadium, dome stadium, maybe have a state championship games there again. Something to talk uh, about it, for sure. It was uh, it was definitely uh, an experience. We got the experience twice with the uh, with the girls too. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right, this is it for our first preseason preview episode. We are going to go through classes four and five A next up on our schedule. For Tom Duggan, for Cam Reed, for Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. Thank you for watching the Mid-State 48 here on our 6.5 Preps YouTube channel. Make sure you like and subscribe. That helps keep this channel growing and keep 6.5 Preps growing as well. So we will see you guys next time. Take care, everybody. 